Hello, hello, and welcome to the return of the Pick and Play podcast. Uh, Pick and Play show, little rusty. Uh, we've got Leo, myself. We're going to be breaking down the NBA here. We took a little hiatus from NFL, a lot going on. Leo fled the fled basically the country after the Titans' loss. He's back. He's refreshed. How are you doing, Leo? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm actually glad that I fled the country right as the Titans lost. <laughs> uh, it, it, it takes away a little bit of the sting when you're drinking a pina colada on the beach, you know. <laughs> so, uh, that, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're back, man. It's been a couple weeks. It's been a it's couple been a weeks. Couple weeks. And, and let's go ahead and break right into it. We're going to be doing the NBA today. Uh, we are going to do disappointments we're going to break down who we think is going to make the playoffs we have a little recap of the Harden trade and let's start there uh beginning of the season Ben Simmons says he's not going to play James Harden kind of makes it indicated that he kind of wants out people want Daryl Morey to trade Ben Simmons basically for spare parts DeAndre Fox things like that so let's park the car here Beginning of the year, Leo, he Daryl Morey holds out, but those early trades were really, really, really felt like publicly pressuring him. What were your takes going through that season, and what people, you know, what the public was pushing? You think it was the? I mean, obviously, we know now it was the right move to hold out, but how were you feeling during that time period? I mean. Pretty much the entire time, Daryl Morey was saying that he didn't want to make a trade unless he was going to land a star, right? I think he said that he wasn't going to trade for, for parts. You know, he, he wanted yep. a whole star. And I, I think he's right, you know, and that's what, I've, that's what I've been pretty much thinking the whole year is just that the patient approach is probably the best one, and it came out to be true. I mean, they they could have gotten a a package of De'Aaron Fox and some other stuff. Uh, I don't know what else was on the table, but I doubt that anything that was on the table is better than James Harden. You know, you're talking about a a former MVP, you know, a guy when when he's really going, he's a top five guy in the league. So, yep, Maury's approach, I'm sure, took some people in in Philadelphia the wrong way. or I'm sure some people in Philadelphia took it the wrong way, rather. Um, and probably thought that he should have sold while he had quote-unquote leverage. But, I mean, the patience paid off in the end. So uh, I think that what he did was right, and, and now he gets James Harden and Embiid and without yeah. really giving up anything that's too critical to the team either. Nope. People making a big deal about Seth Curry moving. Like a big deal. I, I like I, Seth Curry, but in the playoffs, sure. like, he can't – he's not a, a great defender you know and that gets exposed that's gonna get exposed in the playoffs I, I i don't mind i don't mind it at all you are trading you know my view i i'm a quasi 76ers fan i'm a huge daryl Morey fan i like a lot what he did in houston i like when he moved to philly i was excited i think this lets everyone know that daryl Morey knew that james harden was trying to get back to him he tried to get back to him last season. The Rockets should have taken the package offered by the 76ers. It would have turned out to be more lucrative than what the Nets offered. They didn't. They trade him to the Nets. The net, the, Harden did everything he was supposed to do with the Nets last year. He looked phenomenal when he was out there, and they looked damn near unstoppable. At some points of the season, they were minus money before we even got to the playoffs for them to win the whole thing. He basically, this year, as the year goes, he kind of goes, this wasn't what I signed up for. There's no Durant. There's no Kyrie. I'm not really here to just play with these parts. He gets fat again, starts <laughs> saying his hammy hurts. <laughs> and and now he's going to rejoin the 76ers. I think this is a win for everyone because you weren't going to get anything from Harden. The, the 76ers hold on to Maxi. They hold on to Thibault. They keep Harris. And they just get rid of Andre Drummond, who, okay, who was a journeyman at this point, it feels like. Seth Curry and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons literally said he wasn't going to play. Like, and and everyone now, um, your dog's happy you're back too, huh? Um, right, she and, couldn't and wait to ev- join the show. <laughs> couldn't wait. Uh, and everyone is shitting on James Harden being a quitter. I don't agree with that. Do you agree with James Harden? I, I get what he did in Houston. I get that he left the Nets. But compared to Ben Simmons, 
I mean, Ben Simmons wouldn't even show up to the facility. Like, how can you call James Harden a quitter and not call Ben Simmons absolutely the worst quitter? I, I mean, I think it's fair to call them both quitters. <laughs> I, I think okay. undoubtedly you have to say that James Harden quit his way out of Houston. And 100%. Maybe he's actually hurt now. I mean, the, I guess the fact that he's not playing right after the break. I think Daryl Morey said he's supposed to play this Friday, though. So I, I don't know if they have any games in between. But um, Yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons quit on LSU. No one remembers that. Uh, ben Simmons literally quit on LSU. You're making a good point. He might be and the big quitter. And then he turns around and in a playoff game, like, we have to understand that what Ben Simmons did in the playoffs – is unheard of in an 80-year-old sport. Unheard of, and for no good reason. Like, these aren't unheard of phenomenal stats that he's pulling. This is a man who is damn near seven feet tall, won't dunk a basketball when wide open. This is unheard of shit. Okay, you're right. Ben Simmons is definitely worse. (laughs) It's definitely a worse situation. But James Harden, he definitely tanked his way out of Houston and now Brooklyn as well. So, I mean, who's the bigger quitter? Uh, You've convinced me. I I guess it is Simmons. But they they both kind of quit. They both did quit. And and I I look at it and I go, James Harden told Houston, I want to go back to – I want to follow Daryl Morey. He's the one that took a chance on me in OKC. I have a relationship with him. He knows how I want to be used. Get me there. They said, we're not doing that. We're sending you the Nets. He goes, okay, fine. I have a ring opportunity. I'm in. As soon as the ring opportunity goes away, and and maybe it could come back, Kevin Durant, we still don't know when he's going to be back, evaluated in a couple weeks. Kyrie still can't play at home for whatever reason. That's the stupidest rule. You know away players that are unvaccinated can play in New York, but home players can't? I didn't know that until recently, but now that I do know that, that's... That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. That's literally crazy. So Kyrie, I assume that's going to get amended before the playoffs, so Kyrie will be playing. And Kyrie, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, we don't know when KD is going to get back. That's not a bad lineup. Like, I think that's a first-round eliminated lineup because uh, where are you going to get offense from? It's not coming from Drummond. It's not coming from Simmons. Like, Curry, Curry is someone who can give you offense, but it's random. We saw him in the playoffs. You know, once every three nights he'll give you offense. And Kyrie can give it to you every night. But I, I don't understand um, – like, this outright hate for Harden. Like, I get what he did. He got fat as shit in Houston. But, you know, if you're in a if you're in his position and you're like, look, I, I want to win a championship. Okay, we're going to send you a championship contender. That's cool. I really want to go to Houston, though, because I think that's – I mean, Philly, because that's where I could be a champion. I, I, I don't get all the hate for him, especially in the same breath. Not going to mention Ben Simmons. But now let's talk about what it can do for them on the court. The little piece here that I need a little help with, you can help with nuance. Paul Millsap moves over with Harden to Philly. Is there anything there? Paul Millsap give them anything, or is that just is that just like filler? Uh, we're gonna call it filler, That's, but I okay, mean, way over the hill. Paul Millsap could probably give you a few minutes. You know, he could give you a few minutes in a playoff game. I think he could he could probably spell Embiid if they wanted to go super small or something like that. Um, but at this point, he's not he's not a starter. I don't think he's just you know he's gonna come off the bench, give you give you your six seven points, give you some hustle plays. I wouldn't expect him to be a huge part of the lineup though. Okay. So how much time do you think? Yeah, you know, for the Nets' perspective. You get Seth Curry, and really, I think the big piece of this whole trade, honestly, to me, is Andre Drummond. The Nets Mm. had a gaping hole at center. And you get someone who we know Drummond, you know, someone like um, Embiid will eat Drummond alive. But against most of the East, Drummond is a really good option. And gives you something where you had nothing. I actually think he's like the little steal of this. Everyone's focused on Curry and Simmons. But I think Drummond actually is what raises their floor up. I don't really know how much Ben Simmons raises your floor up. I mean, the guy can't dunk. (laughs) All right, I feel a little differently than you. I actually, I love this trade for the Nets. Um, Ben Simmons, you put him in a, a position where he can kind of play off of the two scorers. You know, he's got Kyrie Irving, he's got Kevin Durant. Hypothetically, let's just assume that they're healthy and available for the playoffs. Uh, having those two scorers, I mean, that's different from having Embiid and, and Harris. You know, these are two guys that, that are buckets. That 
I feel like they can run a little bit of the offense through him and alleviate the scoring pressure because the, the one thing that he can't do is, is score, right? So, yep. I mean, if he can play that role where he's, he's rebounding, giving you great defense and facilitating on offense, then I think that that number three role, that might be the ideal role for him. He's still young. He's spry, athletic. You know, he's going to help him out on the defensive end of the floor with Drummond. So, I, I mean, I really thought that the Nets – for dealing with a, a star that wanted out, they came away great because they they still got a star. He's just not he's he's not the upper tier star, but you know he's a star in his own right. I don't know what the Nets are gonna do. I, my biggest problem with it, so I I agree with you. I actually really like what they got here, knowing that Harden was gonna leave in a free agency and they weren't gonna get anything. Now I think this is a total win win for both sides. Philly gets to keep all their young players, which is crazy to me. And they give up Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, essentially, when Simmons ain't playing. But here's my question. What is Simmons going to do? KD's going to have the ball in his hands most of the time, or Kyrie is. What does Ben Simmons offer you at all off ball? Uh, Not much in terms of stretching the floor. That's for sure. I mean, unless he's going to come out shooting threes all of a sudden, which would be hilarious. Um but I think the comparison that you hear a lot of the NBA people talking about is uh, the Draymond Green role, right, that he plays in Golden yep. State. Draymond Green in some games doesn't take more than five or six shots in a game. And, and the shots yep. that he does take are going to come on fast breaks. They're going to come on cuts to the basket off a of pick and roll, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not, you know, ISO or hand him the ball, go get me a bucket type of stuff. And I think – that that's the ideal role for Simmons. I mean, we've seen that he's not the scorer. He's not the hand him the ball and, and he's going to go get you a bucket type of player. So in that Draymond Green role with healthy Kyrie, healthy and available Kyrie and healthy KD, uh, I think that that's the ideal role for him. You just let him facilitate, let him do everything but scoring because the Nets, they, they got the scoring. Like Between those yeah. two, they, they got enough scoring to get it done. My only problem with people comparing him, and, and you're right, that's what people are saying is put him in the Draymond Green role. And I honestly think that's ridiculously insulting to Draymond Green. <laughs> like, I think it's incredibly insulting. Uh, Draymond Green is a dog and has always been a fighter. And on the opposite side of like that is Ben Simmons, who's always been a mental midget. Gr uh, Draymond Green sees the entirety of the field and knows basketball in and out and has an IQ through the roof. Uh, I'm not sure Ben Simmons can spell basketball with his attitude towards the sport. So, like, I, I know that comparison, but, like, that's so unrealistic. Uh, Draymond Green is the guy who makes Golden State go when they're really good. Ben Simmons is the guy who ruins your team. <laughs> okay, so. but Ben Simmons has all those same tools. You know, we're talking about an all-NBA defensive guy. You yes. know, like he's been all-NBA defense. He's been in defensive player of the year conversations. And we know he can pass and create. He just can't create for himself and, and score. So I, I think that there are similarities there. I get what you're saying yes, in terms yes. of the attitude, but the Nets don't need him to be the heart and soul of the team. Like KD and Kyrie should be that. He just needs to fill the role. Uh, and I think he's capable of filling that role. Uh, I, I'm much more confident that he can fill that role than I am that he could fill the number two, like I got to get you 20, yeah. 25, 26, like that I'm not confident in at all. I think he might be the fourth option behind Curry to score, which is probably where he really needs to be. Um, and if he is, that's great for the Nets, yeah. you know? I, I, I think this was a win-win, really, and raised the floor of both these. I'm excited to see what Harden's going to do with Embiid because, holy shit, it's, it's Embiid destroying people right now. Um, so what do you think about that combo? Tell me. Uh, because oh, the Embiid-Harden combo, I've seen some people say that, you know, how, how do you stop it? It's it's going to be the, the most elite combo that we have in the league. I've seen other people say, eh, I, I'm not scared. So where do you fall? I, I think when you look at what uh, James Harden did with people like Clint Capella and people go, oh, well, James Harden, you know, that was an old, that was a younger James Harden. Sure, sure, sure. But Clint Capella, you would never even mention in the same stratosphere as Embiid. I mean, Embiid's someone who can knock down a three-pointer, which is crazy as shit because no one in the post besides Jokic can match him. So 
you are talking about an MVP caliber player who may win it this year getting paired with an MVP caliber player. I think it's ridiculous. Like, you're going to be able to roll out lineups that are Embiid and Harden who could both go for easy 40 on you. Like, they could both put an easy 40 on you on nights. What are you doing? They are going to foul out entire teams. Like, that is the reality. You have to foul Embiid, who knocks down his free throws, and you will have to foul Harden. Their pick-and-roll game is going to be disgusting. And then they have people like Maxi, Thibel, and Harris. That is a, like, people who were hating on it from the Harden perspective and putting Harden down and acting like this isn't a big deal, forget that just last year Harden with Jared Allen. And then when they traded him away, not with Jared Allen, because he was traded in the Jared Allen deal, with nobody playing center, but Blake Griffin that he was getting easy buckets and dunks for Griffin. Like, I just think this is a logistical – the truth is, I think, if you polled every single coach and said, how are you going to deal with this? They're going to go, well, there's nothing we can do defensively. Not a single thing. What we can do, though, is try to put that pressure back on them on the offensive side. But I don't know. You tell me, how do you stop that? People already can't stop Embiid. And that's with him playing with Seth Curry. So you upgrade Seth Curry to James Harden, and Embiid's already doing 40 points a night. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you stop it. I don't. I, I have no idea. I, you hope Harden gets fat. Yeah, I, to be honest, if, if James Harden shows up and he's Houston James Harden or even early Nets James Harden, it's going to be a big problem, and I don't see how you stop it either. It's like a, a mature version or – a poor man's but mature version of, of Kobe and Shaq, you know, yeah. type of, of combination here. You know, definitely the poor man version, but that's what yep. you're dealing with. You know, you got the unstoppable uh, a perimeter scorer matched with the dominant big man. And anytime you get that combo, it, it, it typically ends up in success. I mean. <laughs> and defensively, they have sticky players that are dogs. And they have a sh- Tobias Harris now gets to get wide open threes probably six times a game. Yep. It's disgusting. So I'll uh, one more question on this, and then we'll go. Who is the heart and soul of the Nets? It's got to be Kevin Durant. Definitely Kevin Durant. It's, I think it's, it is, but it's kind of weird. If you think of the typical heart and soul of a team, the Nets are completely transplants. And... They really are. Kevin Durant is not a vocal leader. Kyrie Irving does whatever he wants. And Ben Simmons, who, you know, those are their big three. But we know that guy ain't any part of, you know, that guy, the only part of the leader that guy's got is a big old L. (laughs) So I I don't know. Like, I was thinking, like, who's the heart and soul? And you're like, it's got to be KD because he's the best player. But he doesn't lead like that. Like, it's a very interesting dynamic on that team, and I feel bad for Steve Nash, who's got to navigate all that bullshit. Um, but, yeah, it's Katie, but it's a weird thing. It's not a traditional heart and soul. It's I mean, these are, these are three mercenaries, period. I look at that, it like oh, I look at Kawhi. You know, like Kawhi went yep, okay. from the Spurs yep. to the Raptors to the Clippers, and wherever he's at, he is it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. He might not be the rah-rah, I'm yelling and screaming. Well, we know Kawhi. You know, he's not doing yep. any of that. But we just know talk. that he is he is the engine. You know, he's what stirs the pot. And that's just how I feel about KD, too. Yep. Uh, I'm in alignment there. All right. Let's flip over now and let's talk some division races. And let's talk about who's going to be in the play-in. Let's start with the ultra-competitive East. And, boy, I am ready for the East playoffs. This is going to be hot. Let's take a trip down to the seventh seed right now. Fifth, sixth, and seventh seed right now. Boston is streaking through the stratosphere. They have a half game lead over Toronto, who has a two game lead over Brooklyn, who has a two and a half game lead over Charlotte. So let's pause right there. Toronto, Brooklyn, Boston. Which one of those three finishes in the sixth seed, in your opinion? I got to go with Boston. Uh, Boston, I think since since the new year, they're they're damn near the best team in the NBA by yep. almost every metric. You know, they're the best defense in the NBA by a, a good amount since then. And I mean, 
how many times do we talk about defense? You know, defense wins championships. And although yeah. I don't think they did in the Super Bowl, right? Although I don't think that the Celtics are going to win a championship, they're they're streaking at the right time. And th- right now, they're only four and a half games out of first place. So if they come out of the All Star break with you know a continued streak, you could see them being one of the upper teams in, in the conference. And the Celtics with home court advantage, that that might be a problem. I think that one of the big things we're not talking about is, and I hope I get this right, Ime Uduke? Ime Udoka. Udoka? Udoka, yeah. Needs to get some consideration for Coach of the Year. Uh, He took, he obviously struggled mightily at the beginning of the year to implement this defensive system to get these players to roll where they needed to go. There was a ton of friction. Remember Marcus Smart came out and was like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum just do whatever they want and no one passes the ball and this team is broken. And we go from that to their 9-1 and one in their last 10 and streaking through the NBA and looking, like you said, top offense, top defense over the last couple weeks. I think that if this continues, he should get some coach of the year consideration. I'm going to align with you. I think the Boston Celtics are going to firmly land that six seed, especially everything going on with Brooklyn. And then that's going to put us into this bucket here. Toronto and Brooklyn. Toronto's got a two-game lead on Brooklyn. Charlotte, Atlanta are both two and a half games back of Brooklyn with the Washington Wizards one game back of both Charlotte, Atlanta. So, between Toronto, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Washington, give me your four. Hmm. I definitely think that Toronto's going to make it, although I got to say, I'm not sure where I predicted them before the season started, but I feel very surprised with what Toronto's doing. For them to be in the seventh seed right now, only five games out of first, that's it's impressive to me. Uh, so, 32 and 25. Right. I got to give them their love. They're definitely in. Uh, Brooklyn, I got to assume that they're going to be in. Although maybe that's a bad assumption the way that they're going right now. But yeah. uh, Ben Simmons, I'm assuming, is going to be ready sooner rather than later. And maybe between Ben Simmons and Kyrie, they can muster up enough wins. I don't know what KD status is, but uh, if he's not coming back soon, they might actually be in trouble, which would be insane. Yep. I'm just going to assume that they'll find a way to make it in, though. Now, between Charlotte, Atlanta, and Washington, I'm going to say it stays how it is right now. Charlotte and Atlanta make the play-in, and Washington does not. I don't really have a good reason for that. I just I, I like the, uh, the high-end talent in Charlotte and Atlanta better than I like the high-end talent in Washington, and I just think the, the, the talent will rise to the top at the end of the day. So, yeah, I'm going to go. It's going to stay chalk the way it is right now. Toronto, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta. Washington stays out. When you look at Chicago, Cleveland, and Toronto, I think we can say those three teams are all somewhat or big-time surprise teams this year for the East. And then you look at teams like Charlotte and Atlanta, who a lot of people had penciled in as playoff teams. It's a weird dynamic to see a team like Charlotte, 29 and 31, a team like Atlanta, 28 and 30. Atlanta already moved one of their young players that last year looked like he's not going to be a star, but could be a decent player in Cam Reddish. You look at Cleveland, Chicago, and even Toronto, the – to me, this is a really disappointing spot to go. We're post-All-Star game. Charlotte's two games under five hundred. Atlanta's two games under five hundred, And you're pushing for both of those teams to try to make this play-in game. I thought at least one of them would be in the top six, right? Definitely, I thought Atlanta would be up there. Uh, I thought coming off of the run that they made last year, I thought Atlanta would be one of those top five uh, in the conference type teams, and they have definitely disappointed this season. And it's just because they can't defend in Atlanta. They, no, they just nothing. They, they can't defend anything. They're just giving up layup after layup at the rim. Their rim defense is non-existent. Um, but yeah, I mean, with Charlotte, Charlotte's still a young team. You know, they they haven't really proved that they can do it yet. So I'm not as sh- surprised with Charlotte, but I'm definitely shocked at Atlanta being in the position that they're in. Uh, along with uh, Cleveland, I think Cleveland's the biggest surprise of the of the year this year. They they've got the best yes. defense in the Eastern Conference, uh, probably in the NBA. Actually, they're making it work with Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, with Darius Garland. They, 
I'm still shocked. We're we're three quarters of the way damn near through the season, and I still can't believe that Cleveland's a top four seed right now. I can't either. When I look at that, and I'm like, wait, above Milwaukee? I'm like, what the hell's going on? The East is so fucking competitive. A like bloodbath. A bloodbath between. So Miami and Chicago are tied at the top at 38 and 21. There are 17 games over 500 each, and they're tied. Then you go Philly at three, which is surprising given that, you know, look, people were calling them dead to like two months into the season because they were like, hey, they know Ben Simmons. What's the option? And Bede goes nuclear. Turns out that when you have a close MVP on your team, you can win a lot of games. Cleveland at four blows the back of my head off. Milwaukee at five. And then you honestly, you start reading through the list and you go, Boston at six. I mean, this playoffs is going to be intense. We could get Brooklyn in the eighth or seventh seed winding up in Miami or Chicago to start it all off. Or if Philly turns it around, Philly could take the top seed. They're only two and a half back. And we could get a Brooklyn Philly to open the playoffs in the East. Brooklyn Philly to open the playoffs would be so delicious. I think it's right there. I think it's on the menu. All right, so we're talking about the East here, and when we go through this whole thing, really disappointments in Atlanta and Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, real surprises, Toronto, real surprise. And then and then we get to the West, and as cool, crisp, clean, and put together as the East is, the West is a sloppy biscuit. I mean, that is a meal that fell on the floor. <laughs> they, they really are just absolutely, to me, bonkers when you look at this. And let's break it down. Phoenix at the top. Phoenix is 48 and 10 and six and a half games up on the Warriors. The Warriors are one and a half games up on Memphis. I mean, what's Memphis doing up here? The Utah Jazz are four games behind Memphis. Dallas is a game and about a half behind them. Denver is a game and a half behind them. So basically the difference between Utah and Denver from the fourth and the sixth seed is almost the same difference as the East from one until six. That's the discrepancy. And then you get all the way into Minnesota at seven, which blowing my mind, the Clippers are ahead of the Lakers by a game and a half. And Portland is somehow in the fucking 10 seed. What happened with the West? This is an absolute ugly, ugly, ugly division. Can I, ugly. Can I come off the top rope with something real quick? Yeah. I got to admit something. I've admitted privately, but not publicly. Oh, yeah. The Phoenix Suns, they're sitting at 48 and 10. They're easily the best team in the NBA right now. Seven game lead on, yeah. on second place in the league. They're just. They've been hands down, no debate, the best team in the NBA this season. All that being said, I still don't believe in them to win the championship. I don't. Nah, I don't I care don't who either. it is. Like I, I, I don't. May, they might make the NBA finals, but I'm not picking them to make the NBA finals. Almost no matter who comes out of the East, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not either. And you oh, know you're what? With me? I would love. I'm well, totally with you. Uh, I think that they got lucky as shit through last year's playoffs, and I think we all have to look in the mirror to admit that, that they got every single team when they were absolutely at their least healthy. And now Chris Paul just, I don't know if he broke his thumb or he's, got, uh, he's out for six to eight weeks, so we could see them fall back a little bit. But if you're telling me that the you know first series in is Phoenix and the Lakers and the Lakers get healthy, I'm going to be tempted to put money on the Lakers. Like, that's where I'm at. And I'm also not scared if, I mean, they'll beat Minnesota and they'll beat the Clippers in Portland. That's no problem. But I don't know who they beat in the second round. They better ho- see, they could get lucky again and get Dallas in the second round. So, but like, as it stands right the now, East? their second round matchup would be the winner of Utah Dallas. Yeah, see, like, they're going to get far because this West sucks. I mean, let's be honest with this West. Who scares you? Memphis is great, but very young. I mean, that team is so young. And I'd say Golden really... State. Golden State's really the sleeping Golden giant State. that's just sitting there that... like, ah, you don't want to play them. They're about to get Wiseman back here in about a week, yep. I think. It, it might get scary over there, too. They're good. Utah, does Utah scare you come playoff time Utah does all? not scare me at any point in time. How about Dallas? Mm, Luca. I mean, Luca's a lot to deal with. Sure. 
But like, is he, he? He's proven that he's a tough out in the first round. That's all he's proven is he's a tough out. You do actually get him out in the first round, but he's a tough out. He there's no other firepower with him. That's Luca on an island. I, like that doesn't scare me. You're right. You're right. I mean, I, I think and if the, I'm Phoenix, I might be a little worried because he almost took out. Uh, uh, Kawhi and Paul George by himself. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're Phoenix, uh, you might be a little stressed out, but Phoenix should be able to get that done. And then I look at Denver, and I go, Denver is now just Jokic. Like, when I look at when I look at the, the West, I don't see teams. I see great players holding up teams. Luka, Jokic, LeBron. Some of the players, they have no one around them. I mean, the Utah we know aren't going to make it very far. Memphis is great with Ja. I don't really know what they're going to do all the way around him yet. Dallas, Luka, Jokic, and we're waiting on Murray and um, Porter to come back. Who knows what's going to happen there, right, when they both come back. So L.A. has no star. Portland right now has no star. They just traded McCollum. So when I look at the West, it's not like the East. In the East, you could end up as a – you could be the first seed playing the fucking Brooklyn Nets with Katie and Kyrie. The only team that scares me in the bottom half of this whole bracket is the Lakers, and it's because of LeBron. And, and Yeah, they're not that scary. I, they're not. Like, so what – in this West team, this is so disappointing. I mean, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves in the seventh seed – are 17 and a half games back from the one seed. The Toronto Raptors are five games back from the Miami Heat in the East. 17 and a half compared to five. Uh, It's just, there's no, the, the talent has once again shifted all to the East. I really don't. I'm just unimpressed with this. Uh, you could simulate the West for me. I want to watch every single matchup in the East. I don't really give a shit who plays in the West. I just don't. I'm with you. I'm with you to a certain extent. Uh, I do think that currently the three best teams in the NBA are all in the West, if you want to go by standings. Uh, Phoenix, Golden State, and Memphis uh, are all better than the top team in the East. But... Yeah, that's because they beat up on all the bad teams in the West. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple bad teams in the East, too. I mean, Orlando, Detroit, Indiana. Uh, well, maybe not Indiana as of late. They, they kind of have a little more spunk now that they have Halliburton. Uh, but New York, yeah. Washington's Which not great. Which brings us to Sacramento, like who fucking trades fucking Halliburton. I mean, Houston, OKC, Sacramento, New Orleans, San Antonio, Portland. None of those teams do anything. Like they don't, they just don't do anything. The the Lakers, uh, I mean, holy shit, they're four games under five hundred. The Clippers somehow are in this mix without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You've got Minnesota, who Anthony Edwards is that dude. But I mean, come on, we've seen Cat and the rest. Cat, the three point shooting extraordinaire. We've seen Cat. Denver's doing it with literally just Jokic. Hold on, let me stop you. I do really, really, really want the Timberwolves to make the playoffs, man. I I just want to see what that young core, because that that whole core that they have over there is under like 25 years old. Uh, I want to see what they look like. And and I think a series between them and Memphis in the first round would be very, very fun. You know, they'd just be running up the court. Yep. That is the only matchup I'm looking forward to in the West. Give me Memphis. Give me Minnesota. Give me them playing each other in the first round, which can happen. Minnesota works into the sixth seed. They would play Memphis in the first round. I would love and that. There's, that would be great. That, that I'm totally into. I'm all the way on board with that. I got sirens running by me. Um, that I'm totally on board with. So that would be what attracts me in the West. But besides that, I'm kind of like sim the West, and I'll see you in the finals. I want to watch every part of the East. All right, so, so let me ask you this before we move on. I want your way too early prediction. I mean, the the All-Star break historically, you know, teams after the All-Star break, that's when you kind of kick into gear. We're going to see more competitive, more serious basketball. These teams are going to be trying to get into playoff position from here on out. What is your way too early NBA Finals prediction? Who's making it out of each conference? Golden State, Philly. Ooh. I'm all the way. I I don't see anyone beating Golden State, and I think Philly's going to be a tough fucking out. 
I'm going to go with Golden State, Milwaukee. I think See, the Bucks are going to make their way Milwaukee. back. I think Milwaukee is kind of like loafing, to be honest with you. Like, I just, they just kind of have that feel of like, we're a championship team. We win enough games. We'll turn it up towards the end of the year. Like, the, the last like 15 games of the season, I could see them going like 13 and two and then being like the two seed. Like, that's what I see. You know, I, I think there are good teams like Chicago and Cleveland, but honestly, like, the right now, it'd be Cleveland, Milwaukee in the first round. Who, who you take? Milwaukee in five. I think, in five. I think they easily get Cleveland out of here. Right. That's the only, in my opinion, it's the only like easy matchup. Besides that, you'd have Philly versus Boston, which Oof. that's a great rivalry. Chicago looks like they would play Toronto and Miami would play Brooklyn. And that's going to flip flop around. But those are all hot. If you're Miami. Like, those are all going to be contested. And you end up in that first seed only to see Kevin Durant <laughs> yeah. and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. That's got to fucking suck. Uh, that's got I wonder that's if, got to if, be fucking worse. if the Nets are in contention for that eighth seed at the end of the year, I wonder if we'll see teams try to tank their way out of the number one seed because I don't care what anybody says. I do not want to play them at full strength in the first round of the no. playoffs. No. I mean, that's the thing, and they're hovering around. I don't think – honestly, Brooklyn has to thank their lucky stars that Atlanta and Charlotte are just basically slumming it. Because if if Atlanta and Charlotte were performing close to what a lot of people thought they would be this year, Brooklyn would be looking up and being like, this is not good. Um, and part of the reason they're looking up is, is our next topic here. Uh, well, first, before we go, who? what did you say your prediction was for finals? I'm going to go with Golden State and Milwaukee. Milwaukee, right. Okay. So let's transition over to the biggest disappointments of the year. And let's start. I have three three teams. Well, I should say three three items. And I'll start at number three. The New York Knicks. Shame we don't have Zell on here. But the New York fucking Knicks are a absolute dumpster fire. What's going wrong there? Besides everything, what's going wrong there? I mean, I just think that they don't have any high-end talent on the Knicks. And effort and and grit and grind and that'll get you far but it only gets you so far you know so I think last year and the first year with Tibbs you know they 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 were probably a a little more hype you know as a fresh voice Uh, Julius Randle was playing for a new contract you know there was a lot of a lot of different things that, that combined into a good a good storm for for the Knicks last season, but this season it's just kind of stale. Julius doesn't look the same as he did last year. R.J. Barrett was looking good there for a little bit, but then he got hurt. Uh, and yep. I think things just kind of got stale. Maybe they already need a new coaching situation over there, but really they just don't have the high-end talent. I mean, R.J. Barrett, I think, is their best player this year, and he's a good young guy, but he, he's he's not a star or anything yet. Uh, I mean, I I think this is a team that just massively overachieved last year and got everyone into a into a tizzy. They they were like that grit and grind team. They did put in the work. They got the points. I think they got ridiculously exposed in the playoffs, and that's really continued. This is a team that's blown. I think like four twenty point leads this season already, which is crazy for a team that's supposed to be good defensively. Like you got to manufacture buckets. They got no one that can score a bucket when it gets down to eight minutes left. It's actually, like, alarming. And then you watch them trade a first-round pick for Cam Reddish, and Tom Thibodeau says, fuck you, fuck him, and fuck the pick. I'm not playing any of them. I mean, this is a team in utter turmoil and disarray. There's no up there. This team is over for the year. And they, they traded away a pick for Cam Reddish who's not even playing. I mean, this shit is crazy to me. It's just crazy. They are they are four and they are three and a half games out of the tenth seed from Atlanta. Three and a half. Yeah, I was a little curious about the Cam Reddish trade when it happened, just because. I mean, if you watched, uh, maybe I just watched a little more Atlanta than the average person, just because I, I really like Trey Young, so I watch a lot of their games. And most of Cam Reddish's early career has been um, inconsistent, to say to say the least. Yeah, and, and you know, and Atlanta really wanted him to develop into that wing scorer that they needed, you know, and so he he got every opportunity, 
and it just didn't work out. And so when he gets traded to New York, I see everyone applauding and 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 a lot of fanfare and hype over the move. And I'm just confused. Like you gave up a first. Like, at, yeah, <laughs> like Atlanta wishes that this guy was was elite. You know what I mean? And I guess I understand kicking the tires and seeing what you had. But I mean, first round pick. You, you could find some with a first-round pick. You could have gotten way more with a couple first-round picks. I mean, you you couldn't have made a play for Halliburton? Like, Ooh. yeah, I get Sabonis moves over, right? And that's a big part of it. But you can't put together, like, a couple picks to go get Halliburton with, like, I don't know, any fucking player on the Knicks? Like, that's not even on the table for you? Uh, I, I think this is an organization that's clearly, obviously, still run like dog shit coached by someone who's unbelievably arrogant and once again the stars there are fat and happy and the ones that want to step up don't have the capability this team is lost and i don't even know what you do now like there's no rebuildability with this team i really think this is absolute worst case scenario doom and gloom back to the gutter good luck look around the east philly ain't going nowhere milwaukee ain't going nowhere boston ain't going nowhere Cleveland somehow got better players than you. Chicago's now running the roost. And Miami's going to be there for a while. Atlanta's having a bad year, but they've got definitely the better player in Trey Young. And Charlotte's got a better player in Ball. Toronto's a better put-together organization than your ass. You are, you are in the best-case scenario going forward. The eighth seed in a best-case scenario in future worlds. This is This is... A, disappointment, but B, it, maybe it's not. Maybe this was just the Knicks. Maybe it's just the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, with the Knicks, they're at least in a position where they could open up a bunch of cap space if a star wanted to go there. Now, I don't know why a no star would want to go there, <laughs> right? No one ever no has. No one ever has. They literally chose the Nets. But they have a bunch of contracts on their books that are very tradable. You know, nothing. There's yeah. nothing too egregious on here. Julius Randle is probably the, well, he's the highest paid player, but uh, he might be the hardest to get rid of. Twenty one million. I don't know who's gonna pay that, but no one. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, as long as they hold on to their own draft picks, yes, this year is a disappointment. If you've had high expectations, I did not. Uh, but they, they at least have their own draft picks. You know, so this trade, in, uh, the Cam Reddish trade, they, they traded, I don't re- recall whose who's pick it was, but it was some other team's pick that they had from another deal. Yeah. Um, and so as long as they keep their own picks, then being bad isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, they, they've been trying to get this number one pick for damn near two decades now. It hasn't worked out for them, but you would think eventually luck will be on their side and they'll, they'll be able to get their hands on one of these big-time prospects. Uh, but for this season only, yeah, huge disappointment if you thought that they were going back to the playoffs. Uh, not a huge disappointment for me because I didn't, I didn't have high expectations. I thought at least a play-in game. <laughs> like, I thought at least a play Yeah, that, that's and, still in and, reach, and, right? They, they're still in contention? It, it, they're three and a half out. Okay. Well, yeah, without R.J. Three Barrett, it's half. not going to happen regardless. And they got so here are the teams that got to overcome, Washington totally possible. Then they've got to come over. They've got to get ahead of Atlanta, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Toronto. Mm. They're below Washington. Like this is this is bad, bad. And and let's let's move on. But one last thing for the Knicks fans, Bing Bong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's the sound that lottery ball is going to be making. You guys are hoping you can. <laughs> A bing bong. Um, all right. You're going to have to take this one. Second on my list, the Lakers. Oh, man. What's happening there? That whole thing looks weird. It is weird, man. The roster construction at the beginning of the season. You know, when when they made all the moves that they made in the offseason, I remember looking at my TV and just thinking, what, what in the fuck are the Lakers doing? But as a crazy fan does – Eventually, before the season, I talked myself into it. I said, okay, well, if this, this, and this happens, maybe they can be decent enough for like a 6, 7 seed, and we'll see what happens from there. This is not that. This is is disgusting. This is vomit in your mouth. Like, it's gotten to the point where, you know when you want to watch your team, but you you already know that your team's going to let you down. 
And so you, you turn on the TV, you sit down on the couch maybe with a beer, and you don't even smile when you put the game on. You just kind of let out a big sigh like, oh, all right, let's, let's see what they got for me this time. Uh, that that's pretty much that would describe where I'm at with the Lakers this season. Like the, there's no reason for excitement. The Russell Westbrook experiment has not worked in the least bit. No, it's been real bad. You know, my policy, I've been saying it for a couple of seasons now, Russell Westbrook slander. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to participate, but those that would like to participate right now, you can have a field day because it, it looks terrible. It, it, it looks really bad. Um, and so that combined with the fact that Anthony Davis is injured every four healthy games he plays, he's got to miss at least 10, you know, to recover. And it's really just LeBron out there trying to do what he can do with with Austin Reeves and Avery Bradley and Malik Monk. And it's just it's gross. It's gross it's this gross. season. It's gross. I yeah. almost hope that they don't make the play in. Like, I know that they're going to be in the play in tournament, but what's the point? You know, like let let the let the Timberwolves get into the playoffs. Let let the Clippers the Clippers the Clippers look better than them without Kawhi and Paul George. What kind of shit is that? Uh, look, uh, they got I, Reggie I, Jackson out there leading them to a better record than the Lakers right now. The Lakers are like wet socks. You're like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I can't believe I stepped in a puddle. Every single thing. And they don't dry up They're in the bottom of your shoe. You're just never going to get better. You got four hours of fucking wet. Everything else about you can look right. If you've got a wet sock on, you're miserable. You're miserable. And that, to me, is the Lakers. It can look right from a distance, but it's just miserable. Like, it's just not good. Yeah, you're looking good today. Yeah, I stepped in a fucking puddle and water got into my shoe. I fucking it's just nothing away. is good. Like, the defense isn't good. No. The offense isn't good. No. The roster construction isn't good. The coaching isn't good. The product it's on the court isn't good. The future doesn't look good. They got no draft picks for the next five <laughs> yeah, years. No. LeBron's yeah. talking about how he he's not closing the door on going back to Cleveland. Like it's just all bad. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, no one. This is probably insane or an insane take, but if I'm Rob Palenka in the offseason, I'm trading both of them. Anthony Davis is getting traded, and so is LeBron James, and I'm starting over. That's what I would do I, if I was the GM. I 100% agree. First, here's the first thing. I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. To me, I'm trying to trade AD for another, like, make it now star. Like, that's what I'm first doing. Can I get, <clears throat> can I get a decent star? a couple draft picks back, and a piece for AD. Like, that's what I'm going to look for. Like, what do the Mavs have for me? Can I put AD on the Mavs and the Mavs turn around and give me the farm? Because Luka and AD together is a, is almost too good to pass up. There's a lot of teams that could use AD, that would love AD. The, you know, maybe Miami. Maybe Toronto. Call so, Milwaukee and say, hey, you got yeah. <laughs> give us one Drew Holiday and some draft picks. We'll give you AD. You know, and... and yeah, I, you can do your thing. And I agree. I agree. I think that you got to move off AD this summer. I don't think there's anything else you do. I do think you need to – you want a championship, okay? So that's the truth here. You won your championship. You already got it. Now, you did expect four years of dominance. It just didn't happen. But call spade a spade and move on. At trade AD now because that does not look like it's working out. You can get a lot for him. I mean, we look what Porzingis got the second time around. So you can get a lot for AD. He is a champion. And if LeBron wants to move somewhere, let him go and get pieces back and rebuild. I think you totally got to do that. Exactly. So you you sit down with LeBron Bruce. right after the season. You say, hey, man, yep. where, where do you want to play? We'll facilitate a deal. And then rob whoever it is that you make the deal with blind. Yep. And, and, yep. Re and start the rebuild. But I really hope what they don't do is go into the last year or the last two seasons of LeBron and just make fringe deals where they trade away the whole future, and, and, yeah. and then LeBron leaves, and then there's a, a year left on Anthony Davis's contract, and then they're held hostage again. And you know how that shit goes. That I hope that they're yep. a little proactive with it, and then just don't wait to be held hostage. A lot of the teams that lost LeBron are right now in full bloom with young talent. That includes Cleveland and Miami. So. Not a bad thing to move on from him. Uh, and look, Cleveland blossomed twice. They got Kyrie, and they were putting together a team, and that's why he went back there. So 
not a bad thing to move on from LeBron, just given the history of things. Uh, now, you don't win a title. LeBron's won a title everywhere he's gone. You already got that. So I think it's not bad to move it along. And that takes number one on the list here. My number one disappointment of the season, uh, I don't really think it's close, honestly. And we just we just poetically waxed about the Knicks and the Lakers. Zion Williamson. Mm. Fat Zion. Mm. Fat Zion. Damn. Charles Barkley told him early in the year, if it tastes good, spit it out. That was Charles Barkley's direct quote to him. Zion was supposed to play this whole season. He had surgery a little late, which took everyone by surprise. We have heard almost nothing about him all season long. Nothing. Now there's rumors he might need a second foot surgery. He is a rising star last year. Obviously, I mean, some of the pictures of him off season, that man was eating a lot of gumbo. A lot of gumbo. He already had a walk that looked a little bow-legged. And now he has two foot surgeries. He's not playing this year. They trade for McCollum. I don't get that at all. Uh, Is this wrong to have number one on this list, man? No, uh, definitely not wrong because, man, that's been disappointing. You know, it's funny. I don't remember if you remember or rather, I don't know if you remember this take that you had a couple years ago. Um, going into the draft, uh, the Zion John Morant draft, what was that, 2019? Yep. Uh, whatever year that was. I think it was yeah, 2019. 2019. But going into that draft, you specifically said that if you had to choose between Zion and John Morant, you would go with John Morant because it was safer, higher upside, yep. uh, you know, this, that, and the other. And in that moment, I remember thinking, because I was on the other side, I said, no, give me Zion. You know, this looks like superstar potential, you know, whereas to me, Ja looked like he could be a star, but I didn't think he was going to be at the level that we've seen him at this season, at least not this quickly. I thought that Zion could get to that level pretty quickly, and you were right, 100% on that. Like, you you called that one, Zion now, we haven't seen him, and – this full season and I don't think that we're going to see him for the rest of the season either do you uh, that that CJ McCollum no. deal to me says we're not getting Zion back let's at least try to get Ingram a little bit of help and see if we can make a little play in tournament see if we can get you know some for the fans really that, that's what that deal said to me that deal said to me that my GM is going to get fired if I don't make the playoffs <laughs> right, the play. right that's what it told me and that's the problem with the NBA. The NBA has one of the worst GM cycles known to man. The GM gets the order that he needs to execute a team that gets into the play-in and playoff. That's the rule. So what happens is you end up mortgaging a whole bunch of your future on a middling team that's got 23 wins to land McCollum. Weird. Like, here's what I do. You're talking about blowing it up. If I'm New Orleans, I blow the whole thing up. I say, who wants Ingram? Two first-round picks. Who wants Zion? Give me three and pieces. Who wants McCollum? Give me another two ones. I'll get seven picks from this draft, and then I'll go rebuild. Like, you're not getting these play- – now, together, if I could get Ingram, Zion, and McCollum on the court, and maybe that's the goal for next year, that, that, that team has some promise. But what are you doing with Zion? Like – This guy clearly doesn't want to play for you. He clearly is not going to get in shape. I mean, even the Mountain Dew commercials he does, he looks fat as shit. Also, Zion, come on, man. Don't do a Mountain Dew commercial. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I mean, mean, fuck. Like, uh, I mean, anything but Mountain Dew. I'd rather be on a Sprite, like a Coke Zero, but Mountain Dew. Like, the the connotations behind Mountain Dew is it's the fat gamer drink. And, And here you are playing a video game fat. So just not great look and look, get your money how you live. But Jesus, Zion not playing this year. We're talking about blowing it up for AD. How long do you hold on to Zion? Because you're going to have to pay him here soon. And you want to do that? Like you want to do that? Zion right now would fetch a ridiculous price around the NBA. Ridiculous. Oh, no, I'd trade him in the offseason. Trade him. trade him. I yeah. mean, if, if you're in New Orleans, you got to be realistic. Even if Zion stays or plays next season or and the next season, do you really expect him to sign the, the Supermax five-year deal and then play it all the way through? 
Like, do you do you right? really expect no. that? No. So I would go see who the highest bidder is because somebody's got to be bidding a, a very high price for that. And I, I hit him over the head here. You have the rights to Zion. Good luck. You know, I hope he wants to play here. But I, I wouldn't trade him somewhere where he wants to be. You know, like if he tells me, yo, no, no, send me no, to New no. York, I'd be like, no, nah, fuck off. You know, I, I, if you if you really quit on them, I don't know what his health situation is. But if you really quit on them, then they need to go and trade him for the maximum price and then do exactly what you say. I say, go ahead and trade McCollum, get whatever you can get for him. Young assets. I maybe hold on to Ingram and build around him. Cause I, I'm pretty sure Ingram's still yeah. only like 23 or 24. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you really want to blow it up, trade Ingram too. Cause you could get a haul for that. I mean, I mean, there's, if, if you're in new Orleans, there's no reason to move your chips in to try to make the play in like what it seems like they did with the CJ McCollum trade. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. Cause in the best case scenario, you make the playoffs after making the play in tournament and you what get swept by the suns. I know you get mulched and chewed up first. You don't, you ain't getting out of that play in game. And then, you, you know, you're gonna have to win two games to get out of that. It's, I don't think that's happening. And then you get the, the rights to either get whipped up on by golden state or Phoenix. Like, I, I there's mean, no win he, in that scenario. So I don't really see what the no. angle was. Here's the only view I can see. You're sitting there looking at Zion, who is under a lot of the same scrutiny that Joel Embiid was under. Came in big, heavy guy, instant leg issues, 300 pounds, can't get in shape, loves milkshakes, you know, can't get it together. Now, Joel did turn it around. Over the last three years, he has turned it around. So, and he's 28 now, so you could say, hey, maybe Zion gets it together. When you watch Zion walk, it looks painful. <laughs> like, his legs look old already. And that's the difference between the two. Where Embiid had the leg injuries, he was growing, didn't really have a background in playing basketball and came over, and there was a lot of growth with that. Zion just looks bad. Like, I don't know how that man runs. I don't get it. It is a, When you watch Zion walk and then you watch him run – and the fact is, when he runs, he covers more ground than, like, anyone else. It's crazy how fast that guy is, really, like, how quick he is. But I just think his mechanics and his body are bad. Like, I, 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 they're, they're, you can hold on to it and say, oh, we're going to hope for, like, an Embiid-type scenario. But by the time that plays out, McCollum's well past gone. Ingram's gone. You know, Ingram's on another team. Like, I, I just don't know what the long call is. You got your first pick, you got Zion, and you chose wrong. Like, it's time to move on. See if the Knicks will give you their entire roster for Zion and, like, three picks. And then just part out that roster because I wouldn't want the Knicks roster. But maybe I was just going to say, if you're the roster. Pelicans, would you do that deal? <laughs> no, actually, I, I wouldn't. If it was, like, if somehow the salaries were wiped out and they were like, hey, we're going to give you all five starters from the Knicks, I, I, I'm saying no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like – Okay, so I get Julius Randle and these guys, and I'm like, oh, now I'm pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I just I just don't. Like, no, I don't want that. I, you know, I go knocking on someone else's door. The truth is, the interesting thing about the NBA is you have these plebs. Miami might maybe want to take a look over there, but Chicago I don't think is moving on from their pieces. Would New Orleans Philly take Anthony ain't. Davis back? I'll take that. Oh Bring Zion God. to L.A. You can have A.D. Zion back. Zion A.D. straight yeah. up. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> that is so fucking funny. AD, uh, McCollum, and Ingram. I don't hate that. I don't hate it either. I let's don't see hate it. it. Uh, more importantly, Zion it, on the Lakers. Let's make that happen. Yeah, let's make that happen. I don't know. We'll see if they have to move anything. All right, two honorable mentions I had there. Uh, the Hawks, which we touched on a little bit, just can't stop anybody. And then my last honorable mention for Bo's disappointment, the dunk contest. Mm. Just just ugly. That was fucking ugly. Cat winning the th – when you look at the two events back-to-back, Cat -back, winning the three-pointer and the outcome of the dunk contest, you're like, mm, that's a disaster. <laughs> that's a one-two disaster, honestly. Like, the Cat thing, 
the cat was 18 to one to win the three point contest, which was a bigger upset than the Jaguars beating the Colts in the last game of the season. Damn. Just like, I mean, cat's a pretty good shooter though. It it wasn't outside of the realm of possibility that he could win and he shot it pretty well, but the, the dunk contest, like, can, can we get something else? What do you think, uh, instead of talking about the dunk contest, because that doesn't even deserve airtime, what what do you think would be fun to replace the dunk contest instead? I think maybe a, a three-on-three tournament or maybe a one-on-one tournament. Uh, so one of my friends said that what they should do for the dunk contest is get, like, two non-NBA players in there. And I'm not talking about regular Joes, but, like, people that, like – you know the halftime shows or like the quarter shows where people come out and they jump off the trampolines and they dunk well there's people that can do all that without the trampolines like there are trick like uh dunk yes okay i've seen i think what you yeah i think what you do is you bring in like two of them so you go here's three nba players and then here's two like you know trick shot artists and and just infuse some like you know a, the conversation is stupid, but it will get people going like, well, why aren't these people in the NBA? Like, it'll draw more eyes. And when the other person's like, I think it'll also make the NBA players up their game legitimately. Because they don't want to get showed up by some fucking halftime show guy. Like That's true, but I feel like inf- you would have to you- do something. I like that idea, but you'd have to add like a a $5 million check, you know, to the winner or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know? make it a million. Like, to, to those people that do the trick shot, that is life-changing money. And to the NBA players, they can get ridiculed for all time that they lost a dunk contest to, like, the halftime show. So I think you have to add some kind of human element into it. Because the – and here's the other thing. If you dunk the ball three times and you don't actually dunk the ball, they just call it the Ben Simmons and you're out. <laughs> None of this, like, hey, you get 15 tries. No one wants to watch a guy – practice the shot for the first time ever 15 times and miss it and then get to keep going three times you dunk you don't get it ben simmons you're out like ben simmons sits on the panel and he raises up a card that says zero as soon as you get three and that's the end of it enough of that and then i'm telling you my friend said this and i'm totally into it shout out brett if they brought in people that were like that halftime show quarter show timeout person no one's gonna want to lose that fucking guy and I'm totally into someone that's going to do a bunch of fucking trick shots, like, for a dunk. That's what this was supposed to be about. Also, get the fucking judges right. I mean, Aaron Gordon getting robbed year after year after year was disgusting. And it kind of took a lot of the shine off it when he didn't get that ring. Well, not ring, but when he didn't get that trophy. Uh, you you got to give the best dunks. And you know what? Let it be, I don't know, a fan vote or get someone honest in there. And, and and let's make it happen. Like, shit. How about like three GMs get in there and do it? You know, I don't know, but something better. This is just not working. It's just not working. Yeah, or maybe a a, a panel full of only past champions of the dunk contest. You know, something like that. I I, I don't know, but honestly, I think that the the event just needs to change. Unless they're gonna do something like what you're saying, where they bring in someone that's not in the NBA to compete with the NBA players, that might be fun. But if they're not gonna change something up with the with the tournament, then I think that they need to think about doing another event because that yeah. it's not even just this year. It's been what, Levine and Gordon was the last time it was exciting, and before them, it had been a good amount of time before we had you know anything that was exciting in the contest as well. So. I don't know. Give me some king of the court horse. Give me something to change it up. Uh, horse would be great. See, horse would be great. You know, that would be something. Like, make it horse and just let the players shoot it out, like, from anywhere on yeah, the court. Yeah, put mics on them. Go up in you know? the stands. Yeah, put them in the stands. They can shoot from anywhere. Like, that would be cool. I'm in for that. Give me, like, a big horse event. Um, and you know what? They can have dunks in it, and people get to match the dunks. You know, like so, incorporate it that way. Maybe you alternate one shot, one dunk, one shot, one dunk. Right, so, and I guarantee I in a horse a setting, idea. you would get more creative dunks than what we're seeing in the dunk contest because yep. they're gonna pull out something yeah. like, "Oh, I'm gonna give you a letter with this one." You know? Yeah. Make it like I don't know how many letters you beat them by is like 500k a letter. So, you know, if there's four people in it and you eliminate three other people, you know, you could end up getting like $3 million or something. I don't something. Know, something. Something like that NBA. Because that yeah. shit was, it was not worth my time. It, it just wasn't. 
maybe players have to maybe you go hey we're going to do a horse competition uh we're going to invite 18 people and then you say hey whoever three like maybe you say it's uh, each player's got to put 100k of their own money up quote unquote it's not really it's like how fox runs that like when terry bradshaw's money it ain't terry's fucking money right. so you run something like that to you know add a little juice to it and go from there i don't know something you're right though it's got to change um all right i think we covered everything first day back and we were fucking hitting the ground running we miss anything no i don't think that we missed anything um i mean if we wanted to nah it's not talk worth talking about lottery teams just yet so yeah we're (laughs) we're good soon we'll be getting into that though next couple weeks we're going to stay tuned here we're going to be cutting through all your nba talk we have a ridiculous record when it comes to getting gambling right in the playoffs of the NBA. I think last year, Lee, I think you got one series wrong or something one like that. Series. It was fucking crazy. I, I was over 16 units during the playoffs last year. It's going to be hot again this year. We are clued in. We are tuned in. Maybe even some college basketball talk as we go. Um, I think we're good, man. Take us out. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pick and Play Show. We're back from vacation. We're going to be here every week till the end of the season, giving you NBA content. Finally, finally, it's NBA season. Uh, we recorded this a couple of days ago, and so since then, we've seen the debut of Harden in Philadelphia. And sheesh, that shit look good. It's about to be scary hours for the NBA, but we'll talk about that more next week. Till then. Be easy. Pussy. SF90 Casa M. Dunk this Glock like Ye did Kim. Sipping on pelt juice, watch my brim. How you a shooter, you ain't even hit the rim. Summertime killing the Air Force Ones. When you get a win, I'm stepping in Tim. I caught a Draco Floyd, give him an uppercut. We hit that boy in the chin. Hey.